Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Junior Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Weekings are the champions. And we are live. Welcome to another edition of the Weekly Harvest Podcast. My name is Chris Falco, Director of Game Day Operations, Community Relations with the Brandon Wee Kings. He's Brandon Crow, the voice of the Brandon Wee Kings, here episode 22. And uh, Crow, we have ourselves a big episode tonight with a couple of local guys. Both took the WHL route to, uh, to pro hockey and excited to catch up with them. Joining us momentarily will be with Tanner Kaspuk and with Travis Sanheim. Falco, you're getting ahead of yourself or behind because it's episode 23 today. Episode 23. We've been doing this for wow. 23 weeks now. <laughs> and uh, we've had some good guests, uh, but I'm really excited about today. A couple of funny guys, uh, a couple guys that kind of grew up very similar in age and had a very similar type path. So uh, looking forward to, to chatting with these guys. Uh, first off, TK, how are you? Where are you right now? Good, good. I just uh, got to Winnipeg tonight, staying at uh, Patrick's place. Uh, I've got some ice in here this week, so I've been kind of in and out of the city, uh, back and forth from Brown and Winnipeg last uh, month here, but uh, doing well, working on the golf game, and uh, been in the gym and on the ice for the last couple of weeks now. So we have Travis, you you've been broadcasting live from Nolan Patrick's house right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, uh, <laughs> no Patty at the moment. He's still on the course, but uh, maybe we can get him in here later. <laughs> Travis, you were farming when I first texted you, helping out uh, out near Elkhorn. Uh, what were you? What were you doing? What was your responsibility on the farm? Were you driving the, the tractor, doing it hydrous? What were, what were your responsibilities? Yeah, I was doing most of the planning. Actually, I was seeding, um, so I did most of that. My my brother and my dad were working throughout the day, so they'd come join up uh, late afternoon and take over from there. But yeah, for the most part, I was I was doing most of the seeding and uh, something that I don't get to do very often, so I enjoyed it. So how many acres and, and what were you putting in? Uh, we had about 1,500 acres and we were doing um, some wheat and some canola. So um, nothing too crazy and uh, it was pretty easy going. You ever done any farm work there, Cass? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up on the farm, but uh, that's the only connection I got to farming. So yeah. Travis, if you needed a farmhand, would you hire Tanner Kaspik to come help out? Oh, I don't know. I would think that he would he would put the work in, so I might, uh, might look to hire him. <laughs> Give me a show. Yeah. Well, hopefully you guys aren't looking for more work or more hobbies for much longer. I know for, for Tanner, your season in the American League with San Antonio ended with a bit of a thud in more than one way, and we'll get to the relocation of your team uh, shortly. But uh, obviously, Travis in a situation, too, where the season kind of is in limbo still. Uh, Trav, I want to get your thoughts. Uh, you know, when the season kind of came to an end, what was the general consensus amongst the group? Did, were you optimistic that, you know, it was going to get back up in a couple of weeks? And as it's gone on, what's the mood been like amongst uh, your teammates, maybe in your group chat or your conversations with the guys? Yeah, I think we were optimistic early on. Um, weren't really sure what was taking place. And um, we were kind of in, in a, you know, a good streak there, middle of a good streak. And I feel good about ourselves. So uh, obviously disappointing, but uh, as it went on, it, it kind of seemed like, Things weren't going well, and it uh, you know wasn't looking good to finish the season. But uh, sounds like things are are moving along here, and um, you know we should get a chance hopefully later this summer to, to play some summer hockey. 
And Tanner, 59 games in San Antonio, your second uh, kind of full pro season uh, after 46 games the year before in the American League and a, and a cup of coffee in Tulsa in the East Coast League. Now, you know, kind of solidifying yourself as an everyday American Hockey League guy to have your season kind of end the way it did and then to find out that the San Antonio team was relocating and your kind of home was going to have to change, that all had to be a bit of a strange time for you too. Yeah, a lot going on there towards the end of the season. Obviously, uh, with COVID, everything kind of ended pretty unexpectedly for everyone, and things things happened pretty quick there. As soon as we kind of heard heard it was affecting other leagues, and it didn't take long before we realized that uh, our season was probably done. So that was obviously unfortunate. We uh, we had a better thing going in San Antonio this year than we did last year, and had a real good shot at the playoffs. So uh, it was an exciting stretch of hockey that we we're kind of going through when uh, when all this went down and. Um, obviously the move is just kind of something that's out of your control and San Antonio has been a really good spot to, to live and play in the past couple of years, but, uh, it's always nice to kind of switch up the scenery anyway and, uh, get some new experiences elsewhere. So when the season kind of ends for you, I mean, there was a little bit of time when there was a hope that even the AHL and the leagues might, might continue. Once it was canceled though, your mental headspace has to switch to, well, when hockey comes back, I have to be ready for it. What have you done or how have you found the training tanner in this time, uh, with, with, without ice, have, have you found a, a, a way to stay game ready or hockey ready? Or is, is there a way that, that you even could? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, for a couple of weeks when I first got back, I think I used the chance to take a break and, and kind of rest the body, knowing that we weren't going to be playing within the next couple months at least. So um, right after that, uh, fortunately to have a good trainer with Bobby Schramm and Brandon and uh, a lot of staff with St. Louis who was making sure that we were getting our workouts in and, and staying in shape in case we were going back down. So uh, that's about all you could do is just kind of hit the gym and, and all that. And fortunately, the last couple of weeks I've been able we get on the ice again and feels good to get back out there and kind of shake the rust off a bit. How are you working out, Travis? Or is it just flipping tires out on the farm and swinging a sledgehammer? Because I can't imagine the Elkhorn gym facilities are quite NHL caliber. <laughs> Not quite, no. Um, I actually, as soon as I got home, I got a place here in Brandon. So uh, as soon as I got home, I started ordering gym equipment and kind of pieced together. Had a couple weeks to renovate my garage a little bit and, uh, so I got some gym equipment, uh, makeshift uh, gym, and uh, it's been doing the trick so far. Um, and uh, yeah, the, obviously the farm does help, but uh, not quite the same. Now, I mean, you guys are both local guys. So in, in the off season around here, who would you guys be working with anyway? Is, like, is there a local, like a local gym or local trainer you guys would be spending time with? Yeah, we're both we're both actually at the same gym. We're over at uh, Outperformance with Bobby Schramm and um, that crew over there, and. Uh, it's been good. They they run track and they uh, got a gym facility. I mean, the Wheat Kings, I think, run through them as well. So I'm uh, pretty familiar with them and uh, a lot of hockey guys in the, in the gym. Now, I made the joke about Elkhorn, and that is probably the most common theme between you two guys, is that on your Western Hockey League path, first, Travis, I mean, you kind of grew up there and played in the rink there, but DK, you were eating there far too many times, in my opinion, because we ate there a lot, but it's so good. That's why none of my suits fit anymore, because I don't go and skate it off like you guys do, <laughs> but uh, for those that don't know, for probably 40-plus years, the Wheat Kings have been eating in Elkhorn. The ladies' auxiliary do a great job, full meal for the guys when they go to Moose Jaw, Regina. I know Calgary started it. Did that start with you, Trav, or yeah. how did that all start too? Yeah, it did. Um, my second year, um, the, the assistant coach that was kind of organizing everything, 
uh, just asked me if there was any spots between Regina and, and uh, Brandon um, that we could grab food because he was looking everywhere, couldn't find anything that uh, was suitable for us. And I had mentioned that the Wheat Kings were uh, using it as their pregame meal and that I'm sure that they could do something similar with us depending on what we wanted and uh, worked out well. Um, and I think that – I don't know if they still do, but I know I think when Lane Toter was playing there as well, yep. they were definitely stopping in too. So uh, maybe I started something there. And then I think the U of M Bisons as well. And there's a couple couple of uh, CIS teams that stop in on their way through too. And I think the Prince Albert Raiders may have stopped in there once uh, this past season as well. Uh, TK, was it weird eating turkey before a game? Like to me, that seems like a pre-nap meal, not a pre-hockey. Well, it was a pre-nap meal for sure. Yeah. We, uh, fortunately, we had a few hours until we got to Regina and Moose Jaw. So we could uh, kind of sleep that one off a bit. But it was like... <laughs> Some of the most delicious meals I've honestly had are in that rig. And it's, we kind of joked that like it almost ruined Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners for us because they did such a better job than <laughs> at, at those kind of meals than what uh, our families would do. So if uh, I got to ask, a cool, uh, experience to stop there for sure. I'll ask both of you this TK, which player over your career, and Travis, think of this too, was the one guy you couldn't keep away from the cake and ice cream line? Me, maybe. <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know if I passed up on that too many times. It was uh, some of the best chocolate cake I've ever had. I kind of miss it. But I don't I don't think many guys would skip out on it, honestly. Oh, nobody was skipping out, but Britannia <laughs> would be one for sure. Got <laughs> <laughs> the servings there. Oh, yeah. So when you guys were growing up, was there any teams that you guys would have played on together? Because I know there's a couple of years difference. Was there any crossover that you guys can know of? Remember? Just the summer league team. What's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> Big Packers. We uh, we won a couple of the best championships together, the West End Summer <laughs> League here in the summer. So those have been good times. But then I think the only time playing together or against each other before that would have been uh, my first year in Midget when uh, Trav was 16, playing with Yellowhead. And uh, we had a pretty good rivalry of teams that year. Both teams were good. And uh, obviously very close to each other. So that was a fun time playing against them and the crew that they had over there. Now, obviously you guys, you know, are, are part of a crew of, there's always been some good players from Westman roll through, but I want to say in the last, you know, five to seven years, the Westman Brandon Bourne and surrounding area talent that have gone through the Western Hockey League. I know, like even today, for example, it's, you know, Max Paddock's birthday. He's another guy from Brandon, obviously Goody and all these guys, from Brandon and surrounding area, Elkhorn and everything. Do you guys all kind of have that connection because you train a little bit and do you maybe use it a little bit as motivation? Trav, I'll, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think it definitely helps. I think, uh, you know, with the with the local communities not really having gyms, you, you come into Brandon, you meet all these guys and uh, kind of create that uh, bond with them and, and friendships along the way. And it just kind of pushes you, you know, you come into town. I know for me, example, you know, I started training with Jace Howerluck and um, started pushing myself against him. And he was at the time was playing Brandon at 16 and was a top pick. And uh, you start training with those guys and, and see what they're doing and, and pushing against them. It only makes you better. And I think uh, we've kind of got a good crew, um, you know, even starting with, with Pulak and, and working its way down from, from him. Uh, you know, we got a lot of good, good group of young guys that are coming up here. And TK, yeah, would sure. you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like we got our own little summer team uh, just with the guys who train in Brandon and skate together. And over the years, we've all gotten pretty close. And I think we're really fortunate to live in such a hotbed where there's so many good players of our age around us. So it kind of keeps you motivated through those summer months. And 
Um, you know, you got like mentors like Ryan White and Matt Calvert who kind of led the way and who we've all been following since. But uh, we're definitely fortunate to grow up in an area where there's so many good players around us, even even as kids, so that we could always have good competition, even when you'd go to the small towns around Brandon. So uh, very, very fortunate for the players that are around us, for sure. You know, Travis just mentioned Jace Howerluck. So, Trav, the last time I saw you, it was last summer. We were at Tim Hortons for camp day. It was uh, Travis, Jace, and we went to the we were in the back, and they were gonna let us make donuts. And I think Jace made more of a mess than my ten year old did when he was trying to make one. It was <laughs> when you talk about like a kid at heart. I think that Jace comes to mind immediately. Oh yeah, I think he put too much jam in the donuts, and they were they were coming out. He'd take one <laughs> bite, and it was exploding everywhere. So, not sure I'd be trusting him working there. <laughs> well, that reminds me, uh, Trev. Uh, I helped out at summer uh, hockey school with the Wheat Kings last year, and obviously, I really am only out there just just as a comedic effect. Uh, parents think it's <laughs> hilarious that the overweight, untalented radio guys out there on the ice with Travis Sanheim and Ryan Pulak. But uh, the best part about Jace is that. He didn't even need a stick because he comes out there on the ice and just runs around with those seven and eight-year-olds. And if it wasn't for the size difference, you probably wouldn't know the difference. Oh, yeah. He fits right in. Exactly. That's his character. (laughs) Uh, I asked Marty Murray this last week. Uh, Obviously, he grew up in Lyleton, which is kind of in the southwest corner of the province. But I think he said there's about 100 people there. Now, Travis, Elkhorn's official population as of today is 461. That might be a little bit generous and include the surrounding area. But do you think having the rink and, you know, the the little amount of people, but that much ice time, were you kids able to just, you know, head down to the rink with your skates and kind of skate whenever you wanted? Or how did that work for you? Yeah, for sure. Um, We... For the most part, I guess, yeah. I remember school would end at 3.30. I'd, uh, my grandma lived in town. I'd go over there, eat a snack, and I'd be over at the rink by 5 o'clock, and uh, my mom would be trying to yell at us to get off the ice because we'd be out there all night. So, um, yeah, we had tons of ice. I remember even days, snow days with the school. School was canceled. The first phone call I made as soon as I found out school was canceled was to the person with the key and, and seeing if I could get on the ice because, uh, you know, I could drive into the, I'd find a way to, to get to the rink and skate. So, um, you know, I was on the ice every day and uh, it helped being in such a small community. Um, you know, our teams, we had nine, 10 skaters. So uh, I remember running 3D and, you know, not leaving the ice surface. So uh, definitely how I became, you know, a good skater and, and be on the ice slots. And Tanner, considering that in Brandon, obviously a much bigger population, but there's only four indoor sheets of ice here. And when an egg event comes in town and, and you remove a couple, ice can be really hard for kids in Brandon. Did you find yourself going to the outdoor rink a lot, just trying to find that when you were a kid? Or did you have a special line where you were getting you know more ice time? Yeah, actually, like growing up, we had a rink in our backyard. So that, that was big. I was just skate around with my dad and my brothers and um kind of as you get older, then, then we would go to the community outdoor ranks. But I was kind of fortunate to be part of an age group that was really competitive in hockey. And we would, our teams would practice more often than other minor hockey teams, I assume. So uh, ice was never too big of a problem for us, fortunately. Now, you guys both have siblings that uh, are, you know, again, really, you know, talented athletes. And uh, Travis, of course, your brother, Taylor, had a, you know, a couple of seasons in Calgary and, and finished in Penticton, I believe, on the same team as Duncan Campbell, 
that year that uh, they had a really long playoff run. And now Tanner, your younger brother, Mason, is up in Flin Flon uh, playing junior A as well. Is it kind of cool as, as an older brother to look down and be like, hey, you know what, this kid's this kid's playing junior and he, he's getting to live kind of the dream that, that you guys had. Uh, TK, I'll start with you. Yeah, it's yeah, it's super cool, and it's uh, also just really cool to see the development that he's uh, made over the past few years. He's just improved so much, so it's uh, it's always cool to see him. Every time I watch him, he seems like a whole new player, and uh, I know he had nothing but a good time in uh, Flin Flon this year, and they, they treat their junior players well up there, so uh, it would have been a cool experience for him. I wish I could have got up there, but uh, obviously with the season ending earlier, I didn't get the chance to, but he uh, is definitely having a good time. Yeah, same same for me. Um, I mean, I was in a little different situation. Um, You know, I was playing with my brother, so sometimes that can be hard. Uh, You know, he gets in a scrum or gets hit or something like that. You you tend to want to be the guy that the older brother is sticking up for the younger one and, um, you know, can kind of come that way. But in saying that, there's a lot of benefits to it as well. I mean, we work well together. Um, I'm sure guys playing against us at younger ages would have have said the same thing, and I think that's – it definitely benefited me uh, having a twin brother growing up, being able to compete against him and competitive. And um, you know, like I said, there's two two sides to it, but uh, I wouldn't have wouldn't have had it any other way. It was a good two seasons with him, and um, you know, he was fortunate to go to Penticton and, and win a championship there too. And now he had 42 points playing senior last year. Yeah, yeah, 42 yeah, points playing senior. So when your career is over, Travis, are you going to be a Minnesota Elkhorn Seahawk like your brother? Well, I've already told him he's got to play long enough to make sure that he's still there when I'm done. <laughs> I got to ask one more question to you, Trav. I don't know if you remember this, but you were you might have just been drafted or maybe a little bit before, but you played probably your last season of senior ball with the Elkhorn Expos. What Do you remember what year that was? That have been two or three years ago maybe? Probably shouldn't have been playing, but I have no idea. Yeah, so <laughs> I remember I was playing for Verdon, and I think you had just signed your first deal, and you were catching – I believe in Verdon and there was a collision at the plate and our manager said, do you think Ron Hextall would be happy with Sandheim getting run over at home plate right now? (laughs) And we all couldn't believe that you were catching. And then about two innings later, you're out in the outfield. And I thought, okay, that's probably a safer place to go. Did they make the decision and tell you, Hey, quit playing senior ball. Or did you decide this probably isn't best for my development? Yeah, I hit a spot where I probably felt it was best not to be playing ball. But, uh, no, I, I enjoyed it. I wish I could still play. Um, something that growing up I played every summer, and I think it's good for kids to get out and play other sports. And, um, you know, I, that was even even with Hexy, actually, that was one of his big things was going home in the summer and playing other sports and getting out and doing other stuff. So um, I'm sure he wouldn't have liked the collision at the plate, but uh, he probably wouldn't have minded me playing a little baseball. How about, how about you, Tanner, growing up? Were you a multi-sport? Did you like playing other things besides hockey? Yeah, I played baseball as well every summer until I was probably about 13 or 14. Uh, the 97 age group, the guys a year older than me, we uh, we had a good team. So uh, a lot of good ball players in that age group. And we were able to host Westerns one year and, and do pretty well there. So uh, a lot of good memories definitely playing those sports. And I think, it, like Sandy said, it kind of helps give your mind a refresh to try something different. And you kind of it translates to hockey in more ways than you think. I uh, got a question coming in on the old text line for the weekly harvest. This one from Dan Block. Uh, TK, you'll remember him. Uh, he's the RCMP uh, uh, liaison for the Week Kings during the Memorial Cup year. And he said, Ask Tanner about his fight with Reed Duke last season. So, what Did you that? fight I didn't know Duker? You fought him. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? How did that <laughs> start? Hear the story. 
so me and Duke are like, we just like, we're, we're really good friends with Brandon. We still are. And we just kind of, most of our humor together is just chirping each other. And it just started like every face off, he'd be chirping me and I'd be chirping back and we would just be laughing at the start. But then eventually I think he like, he said something that I was just, I was grumpy and I just kind of got pissed off. Like, well, we can go if you want or something like that. And then he, he laughed it off and then I just kept cross-checking him the whole game. And then all of a sudden uh, I cross-checked me lied on the ice for a while and I was going for a change. And like my whole band was like, Casper, look behind you. And I like, all of a sudden I just see Duke, you want to go? And then I couldn't believe when I saw him there. So, so who won? Uh, I think I did. I think I'll get myself the edge on that one, but. We will have to find uh, the video of it, uh, Chris, and, and maybe tweet it out and let the fans decide. Yeah, yeah I can't believe that that happened and we didn't hear about that at the same time. I know. That's, wow. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, any other former teammates that you that you fought last year that we should know about? <laughs> no, no, Duker. Uh, that was my only fight. Act. That's my only fight. Is <laughs> That's your only fight. It's your friend. Yeah. Oh, man. Trav, it's someone I know. I know do you have a pro crazy. fight yet, Trav? I, I don't know. Nothing yet. I mean, I kind of had a little scrum last last year, but it didn't count as a fight, so nothing yet. Speaking of mailbag, Chris, uh, your uh, kid's ball team had a question for Sandy, didn't they? So speaking of ball, I don't know about you guys, but I'm so used these days to not having plans that when things start getting scheduled, I'm just like, yeah, that'll work, that'll work. Well, I realized that our first baseball practice with uh, Jude's team that I coach is tonight. So I went there for the hellos, and then I left to come and do this. So I left it with the other parents to run the team practice. But before I left, I asked the kids, I was like, is there any questions you want to you ask these guys? And they actually had questions for both of you, but yeah, the, the the one the most popular and Travis three kids could not wait to ask me to ask you what your thoughts are on gritty probably the most talked about mascot in the entire league yeah uh, I mean honestly he's, he's been awesome I think uh, a lot of us have uh, gotten sick of asking or answering questions about him but uh, no he's been great I mean it's so cool he's so so different and uh, honestly he's, he's so athletic actually watching him out there and some of the stuff he does is insane uh, even during the games I remember the outdoor game uh, looking up at the jumbotron there's 70,000 fans and he's streaking down the middle of the football field and I was dying laughing on the bench like he was uh, he, he, some of the stuff is just crazy what they're coming up with but uh, no it's been great for us and um, great for the city it, it, it's so funny that as soon as the kids hear Philadelphia Flyers, that's their first thought now. It's gritty, right? So, yeah, they've, they've done a good job promoting them for sure. <laughs> uh, and Cass, the question that the kids wanted to know for you was they want to know about the championship year because they said that when we're, 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 we're talking about uh, – uh, about where you went after and they didn't want to talk about pro hockey they're like no ask them what it was like to win a championship being a brandon kid so i mean for them again like that's probably their big hopes right local kids they want to be a wee king one day to get to bring a trophy to your home city for your hometown just looking back on that a couple of years later what's what's that like yeah it was special obviously kind of grew up hardcore weekings fan family always had season tickets growing up and always idolized all the players and uh they were big role models for me growing up as a hot young hockey player and just to be able to be drafted by brandon was such a huge honor and to be able to play for the team just kind of topped that and fortunately the first couple of years i was there uh we just had such deep good teams and just so many good players to learn from and, and play with and uh, winning that championship and knowing how much the city supports the team and knowing what a championship means for the town was uh, was just so special to be a part of. And uh, the experience was unbelievable, just how the city got behind us and everything. And it's uh, 
something none of us will ever forget. Uh, a question came in uh, from Rob on Twitter, and he wants to know from both of you, because, Travis, I imagine you came to a lot of Weeking games, who was your favorite Weeking growing up? Well, mine was Tutu for sure. I remember watching him and just he could do it all. He was such a power forward. He'd lay a big hit, he'd fight, and yet he'd be the best player on the ice and score all the goals. So uh, just entertaining to watch, and I remember that was that was definitely one. I think he even might have came out to Elkhorn one time and helped out at a practice and stuff like that. So that's stuff that kind of sticks with you, and, and you kind of remember those guys. Yeah, Tutu's pretty uh, tough to top. I remember I, I used to bring a train whistle to the games when he was there, and I'd be blowing that thing every time he stepped on <laughs> Uh, and then after that, Tyler Coulter billeted uh, Ryan Stone. I was childhood friends with Colts, so uh, Stoner was a big, big influence on me and someone I really looked up to. And I liked his style of game as well. And then, kind of in the later years, uh, Calvert and Shen, watching them develop together and uh, be a part of that Mem Cup team was uh, that was cool to see. Now, here's a question both of you guys can answer, but from different perspectives. Now, I was talking to Mark Gregg, who is Ridley Gregg's father, who's a scout for the Philadelphia Flyers, and the the topic just came up about Ivan Provorov and how much of a machine he is when it comes to his fitness, his health regime, his training regime, like military precision, time, training, off-season, and everything like that. So I'll start with you, Travis. Have you seen that firsthand in Philadelphia? Like, are they trying to put a padlock on the gym door to keep him out of there? Or, or what's it like uh, with Provorov and his work ethic in Philly? He's actually pretty good during the year. He uh, he does a lot of his training in the summers. It sounds like he does like 10-hour days in the summer. Like, it's crazy if you've ever <laughs> ever listened to what he does. But, uh, no, during the season, he, he usually tries to rest and, and uh, uses the summers as uh, where he gets all his strength and, and conditioning. And then during the season – uh, tries to maintain because he's playing, you know, 26 plus minutes a night. So, uh, but definitely a machine. Uh, even right now, I, I heard that he's uh, putting in, you know, six hour days back in, uh, I think he was just outside Philly with his billets there in Wilkesbury, I think, or something like that for a while there. So definitely going to be a step ahead of a few of us when we get back. TK, yeah. what was he like as a teenager? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, well, he, he was obviously like, no one kind of knew who we were getting when uh, at that training camp. And we didn't hear that he was like a stud by any means. Like I think Krim told us that apparently he fights, like that's that was one of the things about probing him. He gets there and like this guy is a stud. Like he's so good. And I just remember like we get off the bus at like six in the morning and he'd be negotiating with the coaches, like wanting to skate the next day. Like he he didn't want to take any days off the ice. He just always like not as much in the gym as he would be in the summer, but I just remember every day he wanted to be on the ice. Yeah, for sure. He'll even go out in a tracksuit by himself <laughs> on off days and go skate. It's unreal. Yeah. Can you guys think of any other player that has a more distinguishable skating style than Provi? And his and his arm, like he's got the That's arm the, up. That's the, the elbow up. That's what I mean. <laughs> like like we made the bobblehead. That was the one thing we're like, he's got to have that elbow up. It was the oh, most yeah. distinctive thing. He he was since I've been with the team, my favorite player to watch because when he would go down in the end, I, I bet you TK, and you could back me up on this. The entire season, there probably wasn't more than you can count on one on one hand how many times he didn't get the puck past center line. He was a machine. Just every time he would find the pass, he would make the play. Just like a generational defenseman, I. Found Felt that once he hit pro, he was just going to keep growing and growing. I can only imagine how difficult it would be to play against him. Yeah, that's what I always thought. I just always thought he'd be the most frustrating defenseman possible to play against. Like even in practice, if it's one on ones, and it's against, like he can backward skate as fast as anyone can forward skate, and his gap and his long stick, and he'd be just right against your face. Like 
there was no get by him and you wouldn't see anyone beat him like he basically had half of the ice just reserved for him like no one was getting around him on that side so it was just a horse of a d-man to have and obviously such a big part of that championship team and Travis, speaking of uh, Philadelphia, uh, you know, we talked about Gritty, we talked about Provi, uh, but, you know, of all the markets and, and you know, I, I don't like to, you know, think that I have a favorite team by any means. I kind of cheer for different guys that I like. And, you know, I like Philadelphia. I, I like their history. But is there a city maybe other than Toronto that is harder from a media perspective? Like, I feel like Philadelphia, especially if you're a goalie, the media is pretty hard on guys. Did you find that tough early on? Did you feel like the media was really hard to, to spin a positive early on? Yeah, for sure. I think especially when things aren't going your way, uh, you get in a little bit of a slump or uh, in playing or, or in a losing streak. I mean, they're, they're definitely hard on you. The fans are hard on you. They, they demand a winning team. And uh, when things are going good, it's awesome. They're, they're the best fans in the league, and yet they can be tough on you when things aren't. So, um, you know, there's both sides to that, but, uh, you know, this season they've been awesome. I mean, our home record's been incredible, and they're a big part of that. And, um, you know, it's obviously too bad if we go back with no fans. Um, you, know, you don't get that support. But, uh, you know, it's definitely been – it's been a great city to play in. I've really enjoyed it. I mean, it's been different. Uh, you know, you go from Elkhorn to Calgary, it was a huge difference. And then you go from Calgary to Philly, it's even, you know, a bigger difference. So uh, I've enjoyed it. I live right in Center City, and um, it's been a cool experience. Hey, Cass, Patty isn't back yet to answer that same question, is he? <laughs> no, no, he's not. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, and, and speaking of like the other Week King connection, Travis, I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we're hoping for the best that, you know, Nolan can, can return and play, I mean, as, as Week King fans. But, uh, you know, do you have any other history with, with, with Nolan? Uh, no, like, I mean, I, I met him at camp. Uh, development camp uh, right after he was drafted, so that was kind of my first introduction to him. I played against him. I think he chirped me every every time we played him, and he wanted to fight me. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I I went up against him one on one in junior, so we had our battles. But uh, no, we've become friends now, and um, you know, he's been a great teammate. <laughs> So I got another question from Matt. Uh, this is kind of a, a different question because both of you guys, your contracts are certainly different when it comes to the valuations and everything. But what was the first thing you bought when you put pen to That's one paper? way to put it, eh, Cass? Well, no, I, I don't. I'm not knocking you, Cass. But I'm just saying. Oh, trust me. I would take Cass's contract over mine or yours, Crow. So I don't know who's the one laughing here. I would take half of TK's contract. My God. Like, but what was the first thing you bought? That's what I'm trying to get to. What was the first thing you bought when you signed uh, a deal, uh, you know, at any point, you know, where you weren't all of a sudden just making a couple hundred bucks uh, a month playing junior? I can't personally remember the the first thing I got. Uh, started out with pretty little things, but uh, about a year later, I eventually got a car. So that'd be my first kind of big purchase, I'd say. What'd you get? What, what are you riding in? Cavalier. Uh, yeah, Alfa Romeo. <laughs> Uh, Stelvio, just a little crossover type thing, but uh, I'm enjoying it. So yeah, I'd say that'd be the biggest purchase for sure. It's a sick whip. He's got guys coming in to look at it every day. <laughs> yes, you guys know Sandy and I are neighbors. <laughs> we Where are you? A couple houses down. Yeah. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So TK, have you like? I know in the American League, are you living with a guy? Do you have your own place? Do you have a condo? Do you rent a place? What, what's your living situation in San Antonio the last couple of years? Yeah, so you're yeah you're on your own for housing. So the first year I just got my own apartment, and then uh, this past year I roomed with uh, Ryan Olson, who used to play in uh, Kelowna, and then was with the Jets system for a bit. So just kind of wanted to try both ways. Um, both had their kind of advantages and disadvantages. So. Uh, 
yeah, it's nice, uh, nice city to live in, though, for sure. Was that like a huge shock to go from? Well, of course, when you're here, you're living at home, and then for your stint in Victoria, you're you're with a billet. For you, all of a sudden, now you're on your own and you're in a new country. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like South Texas is a lot different than uh, Brown and Manitoba, for sure. So it was uh, was an adjustment period, but uh, I was fortunate to have really good teammates and older guys that have been through the pro system uh, for a number of years that. Uh, kind of uses guidance and travis do you remember you know when when the philadelphia flyers management kind of told you hey you can you can get a place here because you're sticking around and and what was that like for you yeah i uh it was an off day and uh this was my first year it was an off day and we uh, i decided to go to a mall and the big mall around philly was like an hour drive so i drove an hour got it got just parked my car in the in the parking lot hextall texted me said are you, are you around? Do you want to come? Like, can you come in and meet with me? So I drove an hour back. I was like, yeah, I'll be right there. <laughs> I, I told him I was at a different mall. I told him I'd be right there. I went in there. He gave me the letter and told me I could get a place. Went back to the mall and bought a few extra things. <laughs> nice. So summer wise, I know that, uh, you know, you guys all get together and, and, and kind of, I know the summer is a little bit different, but, uh, have you, and the kind of group of, of guys, whether it be Patty or, or other local guys from around, have you guys, you know, gotten together and played a little golf or, or had any sort of kind of social distant gatherings, barbecues, campfires, that sort of thing to try and break up the monotony of, of this whole COVID thing? Got a couple golf matches. Yeah. yeah. Who's better? I think we won. Didn't, didn't we win? Can't even remember. Probably, I went cold. I lost about every match I played in for like. Three, three <laughs> if you guys days. can't remember, then you probably did it right. So I think we <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, golf course has been uh, been buzzing this year for sure. A lot of a lot of hockey players have been uh, out and about at the course. You can go like if you're for Weed City. Even if I'm not golfing with Sandy, I think I've seen him out there like three times. Yeah, just going up, turn up mid round on the ninth hole. And yeah. nine. Skip across and play 27. But yeah, no, the uh, <laughs> golf course has been a good spot during this kind of time to still see guys and uh, hang out. So, Trav, I got to ask you. I mean, do you think that? It'd probably be a very political answer here, but do you think that the NHL will resume? Like, what are you being told? I know everyone thinks it's going to, and there's lots of planning, but you know, if it does, are you excited about it? Or are you a little apprehensive because of, you know, all of a sudden you're jumping right back into a game situation? I mean, I, I'm definitely going to be excited. It's playoff hockey. I think everyone wants uh, the Stanley cup to be awarded and wants to win it. So I'm um, definitely going to be excited. I'm uh, not sure exactly where we're at, but uh, everything, you know, sounds like it's going to be positive. Um, obviously there's a lot of steps that got to be taken properly and, in order for, for us to do so. And, um, you know, us players have to agree to go back and play as well. So um, there's there's different uh, steps along the way. But um, right now I would say it's, it's uh, you know, at a good 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 place and sounds like we're going to be back playing at some point. And TK, obviously you're, you know, trying to, you know, you've really gone from a guy that, you know, kind of cracks into the American Hockey League. You know, you again, you played most of the year, had some time in the East Coast League, and then had a real good second year. What sort of feedback are you getting from the management in St. Louis regarding your development? What are they saying to you about, you know, what you need to do or, or what you need to, you know, try and get to in order to, to reach the, the level that, you know, Trav is at? Yeah, um, I think they've been so far. They've been positive with the the jump I made uh, from my first to second year. Uh, became more of a regular player the second year and played a more minutes with a, an actual role on the team where I was relied upon every night. And 
that just kind of allowed my confidence to grow and you get more comfortable out there and they just want me to keep working on my game they want me to play the defensive style and shutdown style that I've kind of always been been known for so um obviously first step and speed is is the things I'm working on and just the skill to to be able to make plays at the fast pace that uh, pro hockey requires did the jump from junior to pro shock you I wouldn't say shock, but like uh, definitely maybe more of a jump than, than what you'd expect just because, I don't know, the age, whatever, experience, uh, you're playing against men all of a sudden. So uh, it's obviously the American League is a competitive league, and it uh, when you're kind of in and out of the lineup, it's sort of tough to find a groove and, and get you, get the confidence that you need to, to play at your best. But I feel like uh, over the past couple of years, I've adjusted and uh, developed my game to, to suit that style more. Uh, Trav, another question uh, rolled in on Twitter. Who is the hardest player that you've had to defend? Um, I mean, McDavid, McKinnon, those guys. Uh, a couple nights I've had to you know, try to shut those guys down. It's pretty hard to keep them off the score sheet. So uh, pretty difficult and uh, can frustrate you. I remember this year, uh, McKinnon, I thought I had him uh, wide and he threw a saucer pass between my skates back door for a tap-in. So... <laughs> Uh, it's kind of, you come back to the bench and your partner's like, there's nothing you can do about that one. So, uh, you know, you learn to try to defend those guys, but, uh, at some point you got to tip your hat to them as well. Uh, we got some rapid fire stuff we like to get to as we, we kind of wind this down, uh, best and, or pardon me, favorite and least favorite rink to play in, in the Western hockey league. TK first. Okay. Favorite. Um, I'll say Seattle because that's where we won and the atmosphere there is always buzzing like when we went there in the finals or if you're just there on a Tuesday in the regular season like that the crowd was so rowdy and so involved that I had a lot of fun playing there and then least favorite I gotta say Swift Current probably just getting off the six and a half hour bus ride and and hopping right on the ice there and it's kind of especially my first two years they had a really big team and just the ice just feels small out there so uh, I'd say that'd be my least favorite. Mine's got to be Brandon, uh, favorite, coming back home. You get to play in front of your family and friends, especially as a young kid. You idolize the Weekings, and, um, you know, to be able to have those guys come in and watch you. And uh, it was kind of a big thing for, for me and my community. So um, definitely my favorite. Least uh, Prince Albert. I don't think I ever scored in Prince Albert. Oh, that was a tough one. <laughs> Uh, I felt like it was so dark and the fans were right there on top of you. And, uh, you know, I remember getting hurt in Prince Albert as well. I think the boards were made of concrete. So, um, yeah, that was definitely a tough ring. The most skilled player you played with in your junior career? Trevor Travis this time. Uh, Jake Furtanen, easily, without a doubt. That guy could, could do – he could flip, flip a switch and turn it on and, and be the best player when he wanted to. And uh, just his skill set um, – you know, he was a power forward. He could blow blow by defenders like it was nothing and, and take it to the net. So, um, you know, I got to watch that for a couple of years and um, definitely learned a lot from him. TK, most skilled guy you played with? I would, uh, from Brandon, I'd have to say Patty. Um, just so smart, so skilled, so fit. He's there, isn't he? He's <laughs> standing yeah, behind yeah, the camera. Yeah, he's probably back. Jesus, so I don't want to get kicked out. I need a place to stay tonight. So. <laughs> 
But then in uh, Victoria, actually, Matthew Phillips was right up there. He was so smart. So it's like for such a small guy for accomplish like what he could do in a season, it was pretty incredible. And he's even transitioned that to the pro level. So he's a, he's a special player for sure. Most memorable goal you've scored, either pro or junior. TK? Uh, game one, uh, the finals, that uh, overtime goal for me, for sure. I was going to say, you don't have to answer because we just yeah, because we just I, re-aired I, that game last week. And, okay, before I get Travis' answer, because I wanted to, I, I know we're supposed to be doing rapid fire, but TK, that goal, that was one of the craziest goals I've ever seen live. Go, like, you just walk us through it because Duncan Campbell comes down, he shoots it, it ricochets and goes off the glass and comes back out, and you batted out of mid-air, like baseball style. When that was all happening, was it like in slow-mo where you saw it floating down in front of you, or like how fast did that really take place? Yeah, no, I don't know, actually. It was so weird. Like it, I didn't see the puck until it was like right over the crossbar, and I was kind of just right in my wheelhouse. It was just so lucky that the timing happened to work out, that by the time I was at the side of the net, that the puck was just sitting right there. So kind of put the baseball skills to the test, and Fortunately, I was able to connect with it. <laughs> Trav, most memorable goal? Uh, double overtime winner against Medicine Hat to send us off to the conference final and then getting beat by Caspi in the weekend. So, uh, <laughs> but no, that goal, that goal was pretty cool. Um, you know, we had a tough battle with Medicine Hat and um, double overtime. I know I, I think I played like 45 minutes that night. So I was gassed. The shots, I think, were 50-something to I don't know. There was like over a hundred shots and uh, yeah, it was just a face-off play. Went back and I just snapped it from the, from the wall and it just went right through the screen short side. So um, that was pretty memorable, but uh, scoring your first NHL goal is right there with it. Hardest goalie to score on, whether he was on your own team at practice or opponent, and this can be junior or, or pro. Trav. Oh, tough one. Um, I don't know. I mean, Nowadays, at, at the NHL level, it seems like every goalie is tough to score on. Um, but uh, probably Hartsey, I guess. Hartsey's pretty good. He, he's going to be a really sick goalie here coming up, and I'm um, excited to see what he's, he's going to you know do in the coming years. And uh, you know, I get to shoot on him lots after practice, and uh, he's pretty tough to score on. Yeah, Carter Hart's definitely up there for sure. I remember I like just like Hockey Canada camps or something growing up. He wasn't like the most intimidating goalie to come down on. But it would just you could never score somehow. Like he would just find a way to stop absolutely everything. So he was definitely up there. And then last year, the first half of the season with uh playing with Bennington, when he would turn it on in practice, he was pretty pretty automatic and pretty quick. So he was uh he would be right there as well. If you I get this one I'm curious about. Oh, go ahead, Chris. No, I was gonna say, yeah, uh, so on mine, if you guys were gonna start a team tomorrow, who would be your pick first overall? Oh, McDavid, easily. Yeah, McDavid for me as well. This one I'm very curious about from a Tanner Kasich perspective because I got to spend a, a, a couple of years riding the bus with you, and I always appreciated your honesty and, and your humor. So who was your least favorite roommate on the road as a Brandon Wee King? I really want to know. <laughs> well, like best best and worst at the Best same and time. worst, yeah. Worst, like in the way that I'm just bugging him, is like Jordan Paperni for the whole playoff run there when we won it. Uh, we were roommates all the way through, and we'd have good battles, and we'd uh, we had a lot of fun too. Though every uh, every night before a game, we'd order wings, and we'd have big debates of where the west best wing spots were in every town we we're in. And then Patty and JQ would order them as well, and then we'd debate with them the next morning whose wings were better. And 
stuff like that. But just so many good memories of being on the road with the guys and uh, not, you don't, you're not exactly excited to get on the bus during the season, but uh, now that you're removed from it, it'd uh, love to go back and be with one of those groups again, traveling across the prairies. Trav, do you have any bad roommate stories from junior? Uh, I don't, I don't remember a bad roommate. I remember my first year though, being guys getting stuck on the cot. He, <laughs> he had one extra guy and they'd have to go and sleep on the cot, the, the youngest guy or something. But I was never, I never had to do that actually. So I was fortunate. I think it was, I was playing every night. So they usually tried to stick somebody that um, wasn't quite uh, playing and um, got saddled with that one. I, uh, my first roommates and uh, when I got called up and I was 15, I was with, uh, Rene Hunter and Eric Roy and I was on the cot obviously and oh. I walk into the hotel room before like I don't even know how they got up there before me and there's uh, about two massive bags of chips and scratch lotto tickets all over the bedside <laughs> dresser I was just like where am I right now <laughs> oh. but that was a memorable roommate experience for sure now this question is coming from me personally. I was listening to the latest episode of uh, Spit and Chicklets this morning uh, as I was walking the dog, and they were talking about uh, with Patrick Marlowe about how much he had to pay at his rookie dinner uh, with San Jose, and his meal was only like fifteen hundred bucks, which maybe in nineteen eighty seven or whatever year it was might have been a lot of money. But Trav, uh, if you're willing and and are okay with telling us, what was the rookie dinner bill for you? Um, I was, where was I at? Mine was in Vancouver. Um, we had four or five rookies, I guess, but I think I paid seven grand, 7,500 uh, easily. Um, I think at one point there was, there was, uh, shots that were 250 bucks that four check, <laughs> four check kept saddling on the bill. So. Uh, that tallied up pretty quickly. There was there was one that was like ten thousand on the bill. So, um, but yeah, it adds up pretty quickly. Uh, you do it once, and you know what? You enjoy doing it because uh, it's such a good time, and uh, you just take it all in. That's what the older guys do. Is per se is uh, you know after after doing it once, you're going to get to experience it with uh, you know getting a free dinner for the rest of your career. So um, you, you enjoy it. It sucks coming out of your account because at that point you don't really have a ton of money. So um, not like the others anyways. So, uh, that was tough, but no, I enjoyed it. Did they do anything to you like that TK in the American hockey league? Yeah, we would just do uh, a thousand bucks rookie flat rate. And then we'd have, oh, that a, seems like a hell of a deal. Yeah. Steel, steel compared to what sand dogs. Do. <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine you'd have paid the extra 6,500 just to, to be in, in the show. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I'm it's, sure the caliber of dinner was a little different as well. So yeah. One's at a cheesecake factory and the other <laughs> one's at a real nice high end restaurant in Vancouver. <laughs> Chris, you got any more rapid fire stuff? That's it for rapid fire that I had. I got nothing else here, fellas. So uh, we'll kind of wrap things up. Uh, you know, I'm going to ask both of you, what's the plan now for the rest of the summer? I know both of you are a little different. You know, TK, your season, or, or are you maybe looking at, uh, you know, getting back on the ice playing some dub S if they have it? Or I guess it wouldn't be winter. It'd be summer if they have it. Uh, and, and Trav, what are you doing here to kill time here in the, in the next couple of months before this gets rolling again? Yeah, um, just skating twice a week right now in Winnipeg uh, with Patrick and a couple other pro guys in Winnipeg and uh, been working out in Brandon just back and forth. So it uh, that's about it for the hockey part of things. And then golfing pretty much with the free time, uh, heading up to Clear Lake on weekends when I get the chance and 
uh, we've got a cabin up there. So that's a, that's a spot. That's a place where I really like to spend my summers. So Tyler Plant uh, hasn't talked old, you into like, buying a bear's den cabin yet. Oh, he's tried. Yeah. He's tried multiple times. Travis, he sucked you in yet. Oh neighbor. yeah. His neighbor. Then he can let me know how it is first. <laughs> we should we shouldn't be advertising for the Bears Den because that's just gonna feed Tyler's ego that he's sold oh, yeah. it to you guys. That's oh yeah. Don't let him suck you in, TK. No, I don't. I don't. Because then you got to live next to the guy and he will never leave you alone. <laughs> <laughs> Trav, what's your plan here moving forward? Um, well, I got about a couple more weeks left. I you know my plan is to head to Philly early July. It sounds like July 10th is gonna be. Uh, is going to be when camp starts. So uh, trying to plan towards that. Obviously, we don't know for certain, but uh, that's that's the plan right now. So um, training right now, and um, you know, trying to catch up with family and friends uh, the last couple weekends here, um, with with the hopes that we're heading back here in a couple weeks. Any time right with Silver Beach planned? <laughs> no, Clear Lake. I got the Bears dead. Wow. Hey boy. <laughs> yeah, but you can't have nearly as much fun than you can at Silver Beach. This little lake crow, uh, just you can have all the fun in the world on that I know that uh, t- Taylor, Travis's brother, uh, likes to frequent with Tessa there. It's a whole lot of fun. At Clear Lake, there's just too many rules. Is he promoting Silver Beach right now? Yeah. I don't, is oh, yeah. Tyler have shares there? Is he selling cabins there too? Or something? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thanks a lot for coming on, on tonight and doing this. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. I love that you guys are neighbors, and yet somehow we got you in in Winnipeg this time, Cass. Yeah, I know. We could have just buddied up at the same place, I guess. Yeah, jumped on the couch with – yeah, that would have been easier. Yeah. Yeah. Say hi to Patty for us. I'm sure he's back, but just didn't want to come on the podcast. No, he's honestly not. He's honestly (laughs) not. But if he was, he probably (laughs) – I thought he'd be in here anyway. He would have avoided it like the plague. (laughs) He's probably mad about his golf game right now. Yeah. Every time – Depends every time I came near him with a microphone, he found every excuse to get out of the way and not do the interview. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks a lot here, guys. All right, guys. See ya. Right. Yeah, take care. There goes Trav. And there goes Cass. All right. All right. Well, that was great. Another uh, another week in the books. Um, boy, you can tell all these guys are buddies, eh? Like... They've all grown up playing with each other, against each other, summer hockey training. Of course, they both mentioned Bobby Schramm. These guys are a pretty tight-knit group. And I that's why when I said, you know, we're going to get Travis, I said, I got to get TK too because I've seen the way they interact at hockey school and – these guys are buddies, right? From first things first, they're buddies, and they're and they're hockey guys too. So well, and you can good. and you can definitely tell. And I mean, like you know, we try to bring down the whole facade of it being like a broadcast and a podcast, and try to get them just to talk and open up and and you know get into some stories. And yeah, you you could tell that there's definitely some some history there. And uh, but the fact they live two doors down and they golf together all the time that that makes perfect sense. So no, that was really good. Really appreciate those guys uh, coming on board. So next Monday, you want to tell everybody who's going to be joining us. Uh, yes, but I got a couple of news things I want to get to before I get to that. Uh, big okay. news today, uh, both from Kelly McCrimmon's office and former Wheat King Ryan Reeves, a two-year extension uh, with Vegas, $1.75 million. 
Uh, did you see the video he put out today, Chris? I not only did I see the video, but I took screenshots and I actually sent it to Krim, like like just some of the comments. This is so amazing for the Las Vegas fan base. One, that video Ryan shows off so much character. He's a marketing guy's dream. Like the fans love him. He's such a great guy. But yeah, talk about a character. Hilarious video. But all the comments, like you want to talk about positivity right now? Uh, yeah. People looking forward to it uh ryan reeves being a golden knight that's like the and i'm so glad because there's no other team that i think right now could really just host i guess is the word like host a personality like that or properly put him on display it's it's so good he's such a good fit there so no very very excited that uh, ryan reeves will be sticking around as a as a golden knight fan uh, a couple of other WHL news. Uh, first off, from last week. Now, I'm a big logo and uniform guy. Uh, I love the history of logos, history of uniforms, the design process. Prince Albert coming up with their 50th anniversary logo. Uh, you can check that out at whl.ca. But the cool thing I find about that logo is that it was designed by a local kid, uh, Brooks Freeman from Verdon, right here uh, where I'm recording this episode from. Uh, he's also done a ton of jerseys in the MJ. He's done a couple of Western League jerseys and logos as well east coast league and american league stuff too so uh tip of the cap to uh, local product brooks freeman for designing the pa raiders 50th anniversary logo a couple of other things from the dub don knockbauer a longtime coach uh is off to switzerland is going to coach sc burn uh whenever the european season gets going again of course he was last in the dub uh, in 2016 as the head coach of Spokane before joining L.A. Uh, with current weekend coach Dave Lowry. Uh, and uh, what else did I have? I had one more thing to talk about. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, my hat tonight, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. I know it's not hockey, but I have a soft spot for the Gold Eyes. I spent uh, the 2009 season with them, and they're really run by great people. Uh, unfortunately, though, for baseball fans in Manitoba, the Gold Eyes are officially moving to a hub city in Fargo, Uh, They will open the season, though, on July 3rd. So much like the NHL is going to hub cities, the Gold Eyes are moving out of Winnipeg. uh, But uh, we want to say that is just uh, tough, tough news. There's nothing better for a baseball fan than to roll down to Shaw Park on a nice Saturday afternoon, have a couple of Fort Gary Brewing beers, and watch some summer ball. So tough news out of Winnipeg. But uh, we know Andrew Collier and and the rest of that crew are going to pull through it. And uh, just like every good uh, Manitoba team, uh, they're run by great people. So... Uh, hopefully for the fans, they'll be able to see the Gold Eyes uh, back in action uh, next summer. And I mean, just like we had to go through locally, of course, here, a much smaller scale, but with the Whiskey Jacks, when you're the, but the exact same thing in terms of the Gold Eyes, when you're the sole Canadian team in a U.S.-based league with the border being closed, you you just kind of knew that that writing was on the wall, um, because that's not going to be happening for this summer, at least. Um, But yeah, it's definitely disappointing. I'll tell you what wasn't disappointing, though is the fact that the local baseball, the fact that it started up, and Crow, I have been coaching my kids baseball now for six, yeah, six six years, sixth season. For the first time in six years, we got blue and we're the Blue Jays. So nice. my email went out to the parents. I said, forget the millionaires, forget the MLB. Those Blue Jays don't have to play. The Brandon... Brandon Peewee Blue Blue Jays. They're the team that's going to be playing the summer ball this year. So whatever, as long as we got local ball, as long as the kids are playing, then that's how I'm going to spend most of of my energy for, 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 for baseball this summer. 
Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I retired from the Southwest Ball League after a couple of years. It just got too busy moving out here to the farm, so I had to hang it up. They haven't retired my jersey yet here in Verdun. In fact, they I quickly retired, and they just handed it to the next guy, so there was really no sentiment there. They didn't uh, wait. The, there's like, like, at least in the Wheat Kings, when a guy leaves... You wait we, a year. <laughs> we, yeah, we hold their number for years a sign of respect. That did not happen no, with you. No. Not with the Verdun Oilers, no. I My jersey might have still been wet from sweat when they handed it to the next guy, uh, but I was at the golf course earlier today and I ran into the guys and they've somehow wrote me in I'm going to be the uh, public address announcer in retirement for the old Verdon Oilers so hey, I nice. can keep my radio uh, radio pipes uh, nice and warm this summer and I, I like you I'm super excited to, to get back to just some normality with some baseball and just being outside with the boys. So with that being said, when we started scheduling these podcasts, we kept saying Monday right. night at 8 o'clock because there was nothing going on. Well, guess what? I now have baseball on Monday and Wednesday night. So just so people know, uh, it's going to kind of shift around a little bit, but we're still going to stick with the Monday nights. Uh, we'll let you guys know about different times. Uh, but uh, yeah, thanks to baseball being back. It's it's a good problem, honestly, because for the first time, yep. I actually have stuff in my calendar again. So Super nice, but uh, yeah, so just so everybody knows, Monday night, the things will be changing a little bit, but as even I say on the radio on the weekends when when I promote this, Crow, I don't know about you, when you tell people, I say like 99% of our listeners, they listen to this afterwards, right? We appreciate those that are listening right now. Right now, there's like a dozen. It's it's, it's great. We love those people because they can ask questions, be a part of it. But again, the whole idea of the podcast, it's whenever you want to listen to this, you can listen to it. Listen to it in spurts. Skip ahead. Listen to it two times, three times. We can sound like chipmunks. You can whip through this thing in 20 minutes. Do whatever you want. But that, 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 that way, it's on your time. But but if you want to catch it live, we're going to do our best on Twitter to, to keep you informed of what time yep. the start time is going to be. But that won't change and, for most people listening to this. Yeah. And next week, uh, our guest, we're going to go back to the radio booth. We've had, uh, of course, we've had uh, Dan Duva, the radio voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, we've had Pete Weber, the radio voice of the Nashville Predators. Uh, and of course, uh, we have to stick uh, here locally. Uh, if we can peel them off the golf course, Brian Munns, uh, Winnipeg. Uh, Jets radio guy, uh, of course, along with former Gold Eyes voice, Paul Edmonds, uh, uh, do a great job on radio and TV for TSN and the Jets coverage. So uh, Brian uh, has been a mentor of mine for a while. He will join us next week. He's also a good friend of Don McGilvery, assistant coach of the Brandon Weeking. So maybe we can get some golf course tales of uh, Donnie McGilvery and uh, see how his short game is coming along this summer. But uh, next week, we'll let you know what time exactly uh, in our tweets and in our promotions. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, next week's podcast will come out officially, as always, on Tuesday afternoon. It's just the live part that might be a little bit off schedule. And if you have any questions that you would like us to ask Brian Munns, you can drop us an email. It's qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. That's the letter Q, weeklyharvest at gmail.com. Uh, send any questions, any comments there. We would love to hear from you. Right on, Chris. Well, enjoy uh, coaching the boys baseball and uh, uh, really enjoy uh, getting back out and and, uh, make sure you wear some sunscreen. Man, you know what? Honestly, I am just so excited. I, I didn't want to leave tonight. I was excited to talk to these guys. Uh, but, you know, when you looked outside and it was just like the perfect night for ball and my phone keeps buzzing from all these parents, I'm sure. Yeah, all the, all these Snapchat videos and we have to catch up of the kids having a, having a blast <laughs> out there. But just seeing them all come together, and we're lucky, um, on our team of 12, 10 of these kids have played together on the same team in the last two years. So they're all basically already friends. They're buddies. They've all played hockey and baseball together now for years, not just the last two years. But So it'll be, it'll be a lot of good. Looking forward to it. But um, have yourself a good week, and uh, hopefully we can get out fishing here together soon as well if this wind would ever die down. 
Yeah, I don't want to get stranded on Oak Lake on my kayak with you. That doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. So, Not well, so much. hopefully the wind dies down. And uh, either way, uh, have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wheat Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wheat Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest.